The reason I don't like love language is it makes it seem like, look, if someone does not speak your language and it's just like a way to, to let people not grow. People can change a little bit. And I think it's understanding everyone's where they are starting from, but then helping them like- Is this a long way of asking your wife to say more nice things to you? I, I do ask her to say more nice things to me. And she <laughs> says that she'll work on it. <laughs> okay, so okay. let's so, yeah. record the intro now. Just so what is- Milkless. Because we, I think we start with the name. Two dads. We love our kids. But then we also need them to know that we're like pretty cool and it's not like a wimpy podcast. So, hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. Milkless. Hey, welcome. Hey. Hey, hey, Milkless. Call the audience, Milkless. What's up, Milkless? <laughs> Matt and Max coming at you. What if that's it? <laughs> that's our first take. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about low-hanging fruit. What are the things that you could be doing in your life that aren't actually that hard to do, but would make your life markedly better, or at least move the needle? Here we go. All right, Matt, today we got a hot takes episode for you. It's going to be a lot little short, little boop, 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 and we're going to be talking about little life pro tips, little things we've picked up along the way, and maybe things we'd advise to friends and family, like low-hanging fruit as a parent. Well, yeah, so I think the first pro tip has got to come from our friend Bez. He brought the term low-hanging fruit to our podcast. And he said, so you got to get more sleep. That's low hanging fruit. That's the lowest hanging fruit there is for making your life better. So sleep when you can. Agreed. Next. All right. So I got one. Like don't force naps. I found that all three of our kids have pretty much stopped napping around three years old. Mm. And I know that naps are great because it gives you a little bit of respite during the day. But I pulled a study on it. Current research shows that less than two and a half percent of toddlers will stop napping before age two. Makes sense, right? But then 94% of kids are, are not apping, napping you know, at the end of age four, basically when they turn five. Mm. So between three and four, that's where people stop, to, you know, stop napping. But how many times do you have a kid that like you – know, we had a daycare that kind of forced naps. Four and a half year old taking a nap. We need to go on break. We go on break at this hour. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I this mean? This is when we smoke our cigs. Yeah, exactly. No, like yeah. they, the kids literally do not go to bed till like 9.45 p.m. We love a good bedtime, a little 7 o'clock, 7.30. But like if a kid that's four and a half years old takes a 90-minute nap, I mean, what what is your nap situation? You know, we figured out don't force naps. It's a great piece of advice, man. We figured out with our second kid. We didn't figure out with our first. And I think that like – there's the break element. There was also the worry, is she getting enough sleep? Yeah, they're, they're asked out and then they're kind of like yeah. cranky. And I think my wife was worried more generally about like, is she getting enough sleep? And it's tough because I, like I don't get enough sleep. So I don't think she totally trusts me to get the baby enough sleep. And that's like not – that's not totally unfair. But I think so. I, I think we had some stress. There was just a lot of should in the equation the first time mm-hmm. rather than like just letting the kid let you know like, oh, I'm ready to go from two down to one now. Because I'm hard as fuck to put to sleep. Yeah. So that's when you go to one is, and yeah, it's hard to let go of the break, and it's hard feeling like are they getting enough sleep? But I uh, I looked at a lot of stuff like average number of hours of sleep, mm-hmm. and kids need a lot of sleep for sure across the board. But yeah, but it's like it's like ten to twelve or something. And there's a big range. Just the fact that yeah. there's like a range of like a couple of hours and how much they need that also helped me. Because, yeah, I was trying to force it and forcing it fucking sucks. That's a fight waiting to happen. But then also like the nap that I love a lot of sleep, but the nap would mess us up. Your kid takes even a 40 minute nap, an hour long nap. 
They're up till nine. Dude. You just blew yourself up. Have you ever been on a drive home at like five o'clock and your baby's like falling asleep and you're like poking them? Yeah. Like we used to reach to the back and like tickle them. And the worst I did, I'd go like, hey, <laughs> hey, <laughs> what? <laughs> I just, that's like you with no planning. Like, Literally, you have to decide to make a noise in five nanoseconds. <laughs> I tell you what it was is I was like, "You're not seriously going to shout to keep your kid awake, are you?" It's like there's no way you're going to do that. So the only thing I could do is just be like, "Yep." <laughs> what the fuck? I'm about just be like, "Hey, but hey, hey, sweetie, how you doing back there?" Yeah, that wouldn't work. And they're drifting off. You got to startle them a little bit. <laughs> Or you ask them, hey, do you want to listen to some song that they like? Oh, my God. (laughs) Just panic. Oh, man. Well, look, they were really falling asleep. It sounds so cruel, but, man, if they fell asleep for three minutes at 5 o'clock, it was at 9.30 p.m. bedtime. So sometimes you do what you got to do. Yep. (laughs) That is so weird. I've got a couple that I'm worried are going to sound virtue signally, but they're totally self-serving. Okay. If you ever have energy and your whole family is home and it's a weekend, just offer to take your kids somewhere, all of them, and just leave an empty house. You just buy yourself so much goodwill. But like you genuinely buy it for yourself because it does mean a lot. At least to my wife, that means a lot. Oh, 100%. But also, if we're out, like it's not so hard. We have a good time when we're out. Well, you kind of combine two in there. The one, go outside with your family. That's great. But then two, when you have more energy, it's good to like bank some of those chips. You (laughs) know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and we've talked about it before in like maybe the spousal scorekeeping episode that like we do it all the time, almost just naturally. Like if I'm feeling real good, I'll just volunteer to do bedtime. Even if I did it last night, yo, I got this. I got this. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll do it two or three nights in a row with all three kids. Mm -hmm. Usually then I'll get tired from something. I'm doing work. I'm staying up late. And then it's like, I don't feel bad to just like tell my wife at like dinner time, like, by the way, I'm like not doing bedtime. I'm like totally tapped out. And mm-hmm. then the next day I'll be like, yeah, same. <laughs> and the next day I'll be like, same? Do you remember <laughs> last weekend? Same? <laughs> I think I did three. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for me too, like being out with the kids has always been, it's weird because it's like maybe higher stress but lower conflict than being at home. It just feels like an adventure. Yeah. So that's always been a sweet spot for me. And yeah, it just pays off. I got one. This is for like young kids, but then it, it, we've carried it through our whole lives. Something our kids absolutely love. It's a game I made up. It's just called Trivia. So if we're in the car and they're kind of starting to maybe fight or something and I want to change the subject, I'm like, hey, who wants to play Trivia? The answer is always yes. For young kids, I'll do multiple choice. And it's usually like a somewhat obvious answer to something that they don't know. Like, oh, what is ice cream made of? Rocks, milk, or grass? Mm-hmm. And then it, it gets like problem solving, thinking, and they love getting it right. And sometimes they don't get it right. And then it creates a conversation or something to talk about. We took that from you, by the way. We do that regularly. And my daughter requests it. That was totally your idea. Oh, cool. It's hard. You got to like come up with the shit, but you can buy yourself time with that too. Yeah. And then, and then you can do math trivia. So for the three-year-old, her math trivia is always either one plus one, two plus one, two plus two, and, you know, basically anything under five. So she can do all those. Because we taught her to use her fingers. Yeah, her fingers. But now she has them all memorized. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not like 
you know, tiger parent, like forcing them. To, but it's more just like to survive the day. And the unbudgeted upside is now my kids, when they're two years old, can add anything under five. Yeah. And then for the older kids, I'll do harder stuff. Like, which one of these is actually a country? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Czech Republic, Pajanko. It is fun sometimes to fill it out with gibberish because we'll do like, what's the biggest bird? Like, yeah, an albatross or whatever, or a, a scobalin. Mine's always like sounds the same. Like Pajanko. Well, that's a tell, man. Or like, it always starts with a P. We have started to do, we stole trivia from you. We started to do 20 questions with my daughter too. Ooh. And we kind of, for her to nerf it a little bit, we'd like start with the category. We'd be like, it's a kind of animal. Um, yeah, so 20 questions is good. At the dinner table, we've done a lot of Crazy Eights mm-hmm. and Old Maid. We've done, we played a lot of cards at the dinner table. Just keeps my daughters there longer, or my oldest daughter, anyways. Yeah, one year old's playing cards. She's really pissed that she doesn't get to hold any cards. I usually give her like the instructions card, but then she just like gets spaghetti on it, throws it on the floor, and demands my cards. She's only like a year and a half, two years away from Go Fish. Yeah. Also, quick little li- uh, life pro tip is those little things that hold the cards. Oh. Because kids can play cards much younger than they can hold the cards. Well, I know this. We always, there's always a wall on the table of like salt shakers, and my daughter's cards are behind it and we can totally see them but she has a safety wall it looks like a little fan that you can just stick the cards in dude yeah otherwise you just play face up but then that's not real that ain't real all right i got some this one i learned recently try to figure out your kids love language i learned that that word makes me cringe you don't like it it just sounds so it's so soft soft yeah but i've looked into it i and no, you've convinced me over the over the episodes that like it's important, but just like, could they have picked a better word? But continue. I know it is a good descriptor, but it even yeah, I know what you mean. When I say it, I feel a little bit something. Ah, it's just. But I, that's that's what's wrong with that's our problem. No, no, I'm a sensitive guy. I mean, come on, we met doing musical theater. I'm just telling you, I just don't like the word. All right, that's fine. Love language. You're right. Don't say it. Oh God, no. <laughs> so. I learned it about like I think it was popular for a while, and I and it was helpful for me with my spouse because I was trying to tell her that I love her in all these ways that like didn't mean fuck all her, and so I learned them and then I kind of figure out what hers were. But you learn anything if you're trying to get, maybe get laid a little more. Yeah. So then I didn't even it didn't even occur to me with my kids to like think about the ways that they felt the most loved. So why don't you explain like what love language is for people who don't know, or Uh, I think it's more just like people are different. Well, so yeah, it is. So the idea is that like, I think there's like five categories. There's like the ways that people like feel love or love other people. And it's like gifts, acts of service, words of affirmation, touch, and the fifth one. The fifth one is doing the dishes. Um, so I, and I would say all these nice things to my wife because I'm like a writer and she was like, yeah, uh, quit talking to me. Like, show me something. And then she would do all these things for me that I kind of wouldn't even notice. And I was like, will you ever say something nice to me? And we were both just like kind of missing each other and had to like figure out the way that the other one felt loved. And so I just recently figured like my daughter loves like getting and giving gifts. And I just figured that out and just small gifts make such a huge difference in our relationship. Like if I'm just at the grocery store and pick up a chocolate and surprise her with it, I I just, you can't get past the word. I I just think everyone would like everything. And it's just like a way to, to let people not grow. You know what I mean? It's like, guess what? My love language, like my wife's the same way. She likes acts of service too. 
do some fucking pull your weight in this house, man. Yeah. But the thing is, I think it's also like people can change a little bit. And I think it's understanding everyone's where they are starting from, but then helping them like- Is this a long way of asking your wife to say more nice things to you? I, I do ask her to say more nice things to me. And she <laughs> says that she'll work on it. <laughs> no, but, and, and, and I could do better doing acts of service, but it's like, it's not just like, hey, guess what? Hey, we accept fucking euros over here. No, 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 yeah. Everybody's trying to grow, right? But it's like, your daughter likes receiving gifts. What kid doesn't? But she also likes giving gifts. And she's like, when we were cleaning out her old uh, stuffed animals, she was like, oh, I don't really play with that one, but this was a gift from this person for this birthday. I just noticed that she places a lot of significance on them. Right, but then also, like, I think that this is, like, created by some weird thing because also it's like why are you attacking me because <laughs> <laughs> i don't like the word love language god damn it no because also it's like okay words of affirmation shouldn't we give everyone words of affirmation quality time anyone you love shouldn't you give or give them quality time physical totally. touch i have a study it just doesn't come naturally to some people so you gotta like have some grace for them exactly but it's like Exactly. That's all I'm saying. That's what it is. I, 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 the reason I don't like love language is it makes it seem like, look, if someone you know does not speak your language, then like you can't communicate with them or something. I, I don't know. Like maybe they didn't have a lot of affection and like physical touch growing up, mm-hmm. so they don't understand that. But it doesn't mean like, well, this person is only speaks Bulgarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I'm saying is like to get into something. I have I have a study that says, or it's it's a weird. It's not really a study, but it's in 1997. As you said before, we have only the most current, but it said the U.S. children are the least touched in the world. Is that right? Like by their parents. Fuck. Yeah. Like, which is why like the love language thing, like if people aren't affectionate, you don't want to be like smothering them with kisses and stuff and like make them feel weird and whatever. But I'm just saying like one, like telling kids how much you love them, hugging and kissing. So your argument, which makes sense because you're like a happy, well-adjusted dude, is that you should feel love in all these ways. Yeah. Maybe the people that uh, that it's hard for them to feel love in all of those ways either is because they didn't have any practice in it growing up. Yeah. And so maybe you're saying you should give them practice in all of them. <laughs> Just try to love them in all the ways. Exactly. And even with your partner, if they're not, uh, don't give you words of affirmation, then it's like that's how they grew up or whatever or whatever. And that's not something that's natural to them. And even if they tell you that they're not super comfortable with touch, just like keep doing it. <laughs> No, but you know, you know what I mean. It's but like, you know what I mean. Come on, like it's good to know. I know people have different levels of how much they want to be touched. People have different like. Let's just never say love language again. <laughs> That's fine. I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I'm just saying it's useful. Oh my god. Oh god, it's just. But no, but I, I know what you mean. Like, look, if someone is like they don't like touching, obviously you be respectful of that, and and maybe you help them be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> over 10 over over 10 years yeah or 20 years i've been w- with my wife for 20 years now and absolutely loves me and she'll hug and kiss me or whatever but it's not on the frequency that i do it it's not her instinct yeah but you know what she says she's like yeah i could totally do that more but it's it's oh, we've been working that way for 20 years in addition acts of service 
it's just, it's just like meet each other halfway. I agree with that. You know, like, like I agree with that totally. But in order to know where halfway is, you got to understand yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. Understand each other. Yeah. Let's use a different term though. Tiny pro tip. If you're having trouble putting your kid to bed or like you're out at a party with friends and family and you come home and it's like 8.30, 8.40 and you need to go to bed, you got one or two options. And I think usually the best option is to stick with your routine and just deal with it. Mm-hmm. If you usually read three books, read three books. But sometimes if you just need to get out of jail free card, we have a little Alexa in, in their bedrooms. And sometimes we'll just ask them like, do you want to listen to Fleetwood Mac? And I'll put on rumors, put on an album. And they'll just listen to Fleetwood Mac while they go to sleep. Like they, they just they know like two or three full albums. Uh-huh. And you know that it's gonna be a, the same 10 songs. They know those 10 songs, and then boom, they're out. And we'll say it while we're driving home from the party. Hey, it's late, guys. We stayed out too late. We're gonna have to skip bedtime. You wanna listen to Fleetwood Mac? Oh man. That's so great. If if only my daughter liked anything other than fucking club music, that would be such a great move. Put that on. That works too. No, that's like... Just put it on low. She's going to go to sleep for turn down for what? Yeah, just put it uh, low. Or just introduce her to the Beatles. She's just, just show her the Beatles. I've tried, man. She's like, this is sad. Well, that's Hey Jude. Uh, this is a similar one. I think I mentioned it before on the gifts episode, but um, I think it's a big deal. We we got one of those picture frames, those digital picture frames that's in our house, uh, and we put it up in a like in the main room where you always see it when you walk past, and we just load that fucker up with photos from our life. It's so cool, man. You just get like a constant family history. You think about it. Back in the day, we used to have photo albums and like, mm-hmm. remember you were bored as shit as a kid in like the late 80s and you're just like, I guess I'll just like look through the photo albums. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you would. You just like look through the photo. Like that was something you did like twice a year. There's actually two. There's like... um that dude, Dan Siegel, that talks a lot about like attachment theory. Mm-hmm. And he says that actually the best predictor of like how positively people were able to feel attached to other people was their ability to tell their life story. Mm. Even if their life story was fucking rough, the people he said that you really had to worry about were the people who like couldn't even tell a cohesive story of their life. Mm. And so I like the idea that as a family, we are like constantly like being reminded to tell our own story to ourselves together. Dude, love it. I think bedtime is huge. Um, so for younger kids, you know, there's all the guidance is read to your kids. Helps them with, with you know, language, with then eventually reading. Um, helps them actually calm down right before bed. You know, dads out there, don't roughhouse with your kids right before bed. Like literally, that's why they're coming out 100 times after you put them to bed. So that, that that's obviously everyone kind of knows that I think read read books to your kids at least one. But then the other one is as the kids get older, they can read by themselves. That's something they can do, read alone. But I love bedtime because my 8-year-old will not usually talk to me during the day. Like we'll talk, but it's more transactional. Hey dad, quick questions, quick answers, uh-huh. and then he's playing with his with his siblings or it's all about action. Mm-hmm. At bedtime though, what we've started doing is I lay next to him for probably 15 minutes. And we just talk about anything. And we he, he calls it talking. He's like, can we do talking tonight? I pretty much do it every <laughs> I love night. it as a name. That's so great. Yeah, we do talking. And then we're just staring at his ceiling or closing our eyes. And we've hit topics like how the universe was formed, mm-hmm. like deep questions that were, were normally where, you know, we've talked about it before where we dads, especially you and me, you know, do some sort of long speech or we're talking about something really interesting. And then we turn around and they're like not paying attention at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is actual talking. This is yeah. like, he's like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. The reason I, you made me think about it with the knowing your life history, 
I've talked about my whole life with him. He's like, wait a minute. You, what was it like in second grade when you were in second grade? And then I'll tell him stories from my – or like when you met mommy, I'm like, yeah, you know, I didn't know her. She was a stranger on the street. <laughs> He's like, what? Yeah. And then I tell about how I met her and how I fell in love with her. And I go through the whole story. You were so fucking sunk immediately. You were just like, oh, you knew. I was so in like, love I with love it. this girl. The first weekend, I'm like, uh, I'm going to marry this. Yeah. I'm in love. I'm in love. And I don't care who knows it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, now the kids know our whole life story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they also know like how good they fucking have it. They've been to California twice. I didn't go to California until I was 32. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is that's a good time to have that conversation with them too. Yeah. I have had like an identical experience with my daughter where we just get to have the kind of calm conversation. Yeah. Actual conversation that is hard to get during the day. Yeah. And I feel like one, my relationship with my eight year old is like never been stronger. I'm actually thinking like I want to do it with the six year old now. Mm-hmm. But the eight year old, like I've never felt closer to him. Yeah. I was close to my parents all through high school. Like I sat at the dinner table, like I respected them and we were like friends. And I would talk at the dinner table for one or two hours after dinner with my parents. They were like peers. Mm-hmm. I know that kids can be hard, but I think that if I can keep this going, that I'll never lose that thread with him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I'm thinking. Like, if I let this go, then he'll turn into a teenager and I'll kind of like lose him a little bit. But Mm. I know that like we're like best buddies right now and we have long conversations and we have many threads of conversations that we can pick up and keep going. So I I cherish bedtime for that Mm -hmm. where we lay together and we just talk. Mm -hmm. Because normally it's just like me trying to like, listen, son, I'm going to tell you something. I know. Tell you how the world works. And they're like, I don't care, dad. I want to go run outside. Yeah. And I think what makes it so unique that time is that it truly feels like a conversation where you're both listening to each other. Because I think a lot of times during the day, they're not really listening to you, but you're not really listening to them either. No. Exactly. Yeah. And so like that is a time when that's all it's about. And yeah, some of the things, you're right. It's funny. Sometimes those conversations are just like, how does this work? And then it's like, oh, this is great. Let's talk about this. But then sometimes they've been really profound and sometimes they've been really profound things that my daughter has said, like the way they think about the world is fucking fascinating. Well, I think that I think that as soon as they can have that conversation, I, I think it's way more valuable because look, the kid can already read, transition into that zone because I think it's very common to just kind of go into like, oh, just go read by yourself or something, which, which he'll do sometimes if he's got a really interesting book. But then I feel like I could lose touch with him. Yeah. You know, we've been reading more and talking less because it's just, I've been trying to get her to bed on time and we've got a good book going, but uh, I got to bring the talking back more. It's been too long since we talked. Yeah. Well, that's money, dude. I fucking love it. All right. I got one. This is another one that I'm worried is going to sound like, oh, look at how good I am, but it's really more self-serving. Yeah. I think it's worth it to learn just a little bit about various developmental stages with your kid. And like things that normally happen at those stages. I think a lot of times the mom ends up doing that research and then you get it from the mom. But like my 16, almost 17 month old, suddenly she's just like, I'm just a piece. She likes me, but like, I'm not useful to her. Like she really needs her mom. And that shit can hurt your feelings unless you know that like maternal separation anxiety usually peaks at 18 months. She's like a month shy of that. This happened with her first one. It just... 
sometimes it helps me. It helps me to keep from getting my uh, all up in my feelings if I know that, like, oh, this is why this is happening. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then also, just like to springboard off that, it's just good to know. Like, you don't want to obsess about it. Like, obviously, don't be like a psycho parent that's like crazy if your kid's behind. But you should know if your kid's behind. Like our, our third child did not crawl until something like 18 months and didn't walk until 22 months. Totally fine. But there was actually some hip flexion stuff, possible little bow-legged stuff. So we were in Amsterdam. The Netherlands is amazing with that type of stuff. You just get some early intervention. No big deal. They just did a little PT and told us like, yo, just do this with the legs. Do this five minutes a day. Boom. And then it's like, oh, you're back to normal. Yeah. Like don't don't freak out about it. But if you're like, you know, I see the kids at the playground – a little crazier than my kid. It's just good to know yeah. generally how your kids are doing. Yeah, it's two. there's milestones. There's also like, oh, here's what their brain is doing when they're two. And it's why they're being such an ass. Yeah. Which is, they're related, but not quite the same. You know what I mean? 100%. Separation anxiety. Separation anxiety. Like when they start to understand about object permanence, that's usually a time where yeah. it's really hard. And I think there's even like a process of like recognizing that they're a separate human from their mother. That is like, it like takes a while to fully, yeah. like they're not aware of that for some time. They're not that for the first nine months of their life. It's not until they're almost two that they have been not inside their mother for as long as they were inside their mother. That's wild. Whoa. I got a, I got a 30 second one. Do everything you can as your kids turn basically two and a half, three and older to make your kids autonomous in the home just makes your life easier. It's a little bit harder in the short term. For example, kids can make themselves breakfast pretty much at like age four. They can make cereal. Once they're like six, they can make a bagel. Maybe six and, you know, six and a half, they can make a bagel with cream cheese. I teach my daughter to make a bagel. That's a great idea. She can do that. Yeah. As long as the, the cream cheese needs to be uh, the whipped cream cheese, uh -huh. like the hard cream cheese they can't, they can't do. Uh -huh. But whipped cream cheese... Butter knife. Hello, it's great. Yeah, there's even just shit like my when my daughter started getting water for herself. Just all the little stuff. It's a win-win. It gives them autonomy, and it it it's just one less thing that they're like, Dad. Hundred percent. Get a stool. Yeah, stools are key. And like, especially a Saturday or Sunday morning, we can sleep till eight. Wow. Because they can make their own breakfast yeah. and they can watch TV by themselves. Yeah. We come out at eight. You get that extra hour on the weekend. It's like. That's pretty clutch. We've not been there, but I could see us getting there when we've got like age like seven and two. Yeah. Then the seven-year-old can make breakfast for both. Yeah. And that'll be fun for them. The girls. The girls are away. Yeah. yeah. Funny, the funniest story is uh, <laughs> kids, they were five and three and we come downstairs at eight and they had been awake for an hour or two and they're like, really good new yogurt you got. And my wife's like, we don't have yogurt. And we go into the recycling bin and they each ate a little tub of sour cream. <laughs> All right. Uh, last one. I, I'm trying to do this. I don't know. I'm getting better at it. Just leave your phone in the other room sometimes. Huge. The shittiest parenting I do is multitasking parenting. And the number one cause of multitasking parenting in my life is my cellular phone. I have a visceral response when you say that, like a fucking drug addict on A&E's intervention. Right? Like, don't fucking tell me what to do with my phone. You don't know me. Yeah. No, I'm like literally trying to think of like all the excuses like, but, uh, but, uh, but uh, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of how I feel too, but I'm really trying to do it. So what are you doing? You're putting it where? I'll just leave it on my dresser in the bedroom and then just like, you know, go about the house. Yeah. Do you have an Apple Watch? No, 
I've never gotten an Apple Watch. I don't want that. The thought of the buzzing on my wrist, I was like, I want them to know me like that. You don't want to be on under house arrest like I am. It just feels, <laughs> cy- yeah, it just feels fucking cyborgy, <laughs> right? Like it's cyborgy. Hold on, but do you have a house phone? No. What is this? Nineteen eighty-six. What if someone needs to reach you? Who's who, you don't get the thing? If I'm with my family, if my whole family's in my house, who else needs to reach me immediately? But then, what if you get used to putting your phone away from there, and then your wife's like, "I couldn't reach you." I get in trouble for that a lot because I my phone's always on silent. I have my Apple Watch is the only way to like mm-hmm. I get jolted like house arrest, mm-hmm. and that's how I know that someone's trying to reach me. Otherwise, my phone's in my pocket on silent for like three, four hours. I won't maybe look at it. Yeah, that sounds great. But what if they need to reach you? Who needs to reach you all the time? What if something changed? Kid kid got a fever. Can you pick him up? Can't reach you, Matt. I don't... Look, I'm saying when I'm at my house with all my with my wife and my kids, who needs to reach me? That's true, but then that's... A, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, you're not wrong, Walter. <laughs> you're just an asshole. <laughs> just... just uh yeah uh, that's all i'm saying look i'm not claiming to be good at it i'm just saying i'm trying well you know what they also say but this is like also my intervention like not wanting to do it. you know you're not supposed to have your phone in your bed while you're having sex <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to plug it in or and or leave it in the other room. my wife did it like six months ago yeah she plugged it in like the farthest plug in our bedroom Mm-hmm. It just seems like a lot of work. It also prevents uh, snoozing. Yeah. And you either got to get in bed without your phone or get in bed knowing that you're going to have to get back out of your bed into the cold to plug your phone in. Yeah. So it makes it more likely that you're just going to read that book you got going. Quick sidebar. You don't have to put this in, but like you were saying about how people get all like turned up these days and like the world is like wild. It definitely is because of the phones and our access to media. Yeah. News, Reddit, whatever. Yeah. But what if we're managing it relatively okay and our mental health is strong? So you're like a high fun- you're just- like a high functioning heroin addict. Yeah. Yeah. No, you you just keep doing what you're doing, man. <laughs> like I'm, right after this, it's 11:23 here in Utah. I'm going to go like on my phone for probably an hour. Yeah, I don't know. The phone thing's uncomfortable because I think most of us, I, I feel that it's hard to get away from my phone or my laptop. And life wants you to be on it a lot. I mean, there's a lot of things you need to do on it. But I ultimately, I think it makes you more nervous. And who needs that? Definitely. It's just hard, though. It's hard. I'm sure that there's there's probably a company in here somewhere, like an app that helps you separate stuff. But like, you know, like the, the iPhone tries to do something with like screen time limiting or this or that. It's very, it's in, in its infancy. You know, when, whenever I get one of those notices, it's like, are you sure you want to keep watching? I'm like, fuck you. You don't know me. On TikTok. And it's like, you've been scrolling a while. And it's like, yeah, why don't you shut yeah, the fuck up? My dick, robot. You might need a little water. Why don't you go get yourself a snack and then like, and then come back? Can I come back? <laughs> well, it's also disingenuous because they're like, why don't you go take a break to skip this message? Just do this with your finger. And just keep watching. Like, they're, come on. They're not there to help. But the marketing is really strong because every time I, I've t- I tell people about it, I'm like, you know, TikTok's really trying. Yeah, no, they're not. Well, they kind of are. Have you ever been on TikTok? Yeah, I've been on TikTok. But like, they're, come on. they're not Like, none of them are here to help you. You ever got that message? I've never been on it that long. It's not that long. It's just usually around like, if you started at like 1130 and you go past midnight, right around then. They're like, you're making a bad decision. That's interesting. It's trying to stop you from doing revenge sleep procrastination and then like rage quitting the app the next day and like deleting it or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, because they got to get in the maximum amount of